Hello, everybody, and welcome to week 11 of Stat Chasing. Had a really exciting week 10 to break down. We saw the emergence of a couple rookie running backs, Rashad White and Isaiah Pacheco. Justin Fields continued his domination of the NFL. And Justin Jefferson maybe made the best catch of all time in a thrilling game between the Vikings and the Bills. Connor, how are you doing? How was your week 10 for fantasy? Uh, pretty, pretty nondescript. Uh, I had a min cash or two in uh, DFS. I had uh, some solid scores in redacted, but uh, n- nothing really, nothing really that notable. Yeah. How about I, you? Similar, similar for me. I didn't, I took the week off from, from DFS. I actually haven't been playing a ton of DFS this year. I've just been busy with, with other stuff and don't have time for it, but yeah, my, um, Sadly, our, our season-long uh, stat-chasing team is uh, is dead, so um, at least we don't have to worry about fab arguments anymore. But Yeah, yeah, no, uh, no stat-chasing stream, fab <laughs> arguments bleeding onto our stream. <laughs> no, that team is dead. My other season-long stuff's going okay, but yeah, I'm hopeful for best ball. Um, was a couple players that, you know, I, I had been – drafting in a bunch of teams like Tony, Rashad White, Pollard. Uh, they had been sort of posting zeros for a while, and now those guys are starting to pick up. So I think overall uh, my portfolio for Redacted is is trending up, but you never you never know until you get to the playoffs. It's still multiple weeks away before we, we know which players are really going to matter there. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, right now I've got a 30% advance rate on um... – in BBM, but like mm-hmm. every one of those teams has either like Brees Hall or Lance, Trey Lance. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, that's a very weird feeling. Yeah. I, it's tough going through the teams. And yeah, I noticed a similar thing with a lot of my high scoring teams. I think I, I had fairly spread exposures, but Trey Lance was my highest on quarterback at like 14%, I think. So that's frustrating. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I think, I think um, with the amount of sort of like handcuff running backs I have in my teams, like I have a bunch of Donta Foreman, which has been fun. Uh, maybe I can sort of get some of those zero RB or anchor RB teams through. Um, but yeah, uh, it was a fun NFL week to watch. And yeah, why don't we just start? by by breaking down the positions as we do yeah every so week we, were, we, we talked a bit about this a little bit and um, mm-hmm. it sounds like you you had a fun uh stream with pat last night yesterday evening yeah um and and i i i guess i maybe i'm forcing the issue a little bit too much here but we were kind of talking uh, at least i noticed when looking at these charts uh a, a lot of it is the same um and maybe a fresh angle would be to combine the approach of like, okay, we were using um, the resurrection before. Maybe we can use this to talk through some of the ADPs on the, uh, on the playoff format. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, and I think, yeah, obviously in the playoff format for people who didn't catch it last night, this is underdogs 
wild their their first tournament is called the way too early wild card but essentially the the turn uh the structure of this tournament and the future playoff tournaments they're going to release is uh best ball in the nfl playoffs and you like each round of the nfl playoffs is a round in the best ball tournament so you first need to win the wild card weekend then you need to win you know the divisional round and so on so teams uh players on teams that are expected to advance really far like the bills chiefs um you know vikings eagles uh those those players are obviously worth more than you know someone on the Bengals, just because the Bengals right now only have a 40 percent chance of making the playoffs according to 538 so it has that angle on top of it but i i like that as well and i i like that idea connor as we go through some of these things <clears throat> we can reference reference that adp um which i'm sure is updating pretty pretty sharply week to week there right day to day it's probably yeah day, sorry day to day even yeah um yeah okay cool so yeah quarterback like you said i think i think this chart is the one that is the most stable so don't have a ton to call out here i think a few things that that continue to stand out for me uh tua continues to be the most efficient quarterback in the nfl from an two of the chart breaker yeah two of the chart breaker from adjusted yards per attempt standpoint so that's exciting. Um, looking, going to the ADP for the best ball tournament on underdog, Tua is going at ADP of 24. So that's like a late uh, fourth round pick in, in this format, which is pretty good when compared to the other top guys. So I, I do like playing that tournament through Miami. Me and Pat touched on this last night, but you know it's going to be very concentrated with Waddle and Tyreek we actually saw them go a little bit away from the concentration this past week but I think that was a bit of of a fluke the offense is highly concentrated two has been very efficient um it's it's a good scheme there in Miami with just the fastest wide receivers in the league getting open with heavy concentrated targets towards them so um I like Tua. I like Miami yeah any, any thoughts there on on the Dolphins or Tua so um honestly the Dolphins were the first team that I taught of and uh, when uh, when I started thinking about this, in that like likely to be undervalued, um, because it's it's hard to envision them making a deep run, but they're so concentrated that if they do, you you almost know where you you feel very strongly about where the points are going to come from, um, but looking at your chart, the biggest surprise to me actually is the Seahawks, who now they're not ninety percent chance to make the playoffs, they're seventy nine percent chance to make the playoffs but their earliest drafted guy is kenneth walker at 44 and a half and uh, geno smith is qb12 in a six round draft so basically rarely getting drafted and then we see him in the good section of the chart he's got some rushing yards he also throws somewhat concentrated with um with their two tyler lockett and DK Metcalf, and that that seems like something that's going to fly under the radar, and it's definitely risky, not without risk, but can see that kind of like being a team that uh, um, it 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 can it can carry it can carry you. You're gonna you're gonna score points because you you know or you have a good feeling on who who the points are going to come from. 
Yeah, I I like that with the Seahawks. Um, in in that division too, you really have the Cardinals and the Rams both falling off a cliff. So it's really going to be down to the Seahawks and the 49ers. Uh, 49ers are five and four right now. Seahawks sitting at six and four. So there's definitely paths to them winning the division and getting a home playoff game as well. Um, and also obviously a chance at the wild card. Um, so I, I like, I like the Seahawks for that format to agree with all your points and concentration. Gino, other thing I'll add is as you can see in the start here, he adds a bit of rushing juice. Um, he's up there in sort of the burrow Mahomes um, range in terms of rushing production. So that's, that's pretty solid to tack that on to um, some solid passing stats as well. Especially if you start off with a team likely to get a first round buy. Exactly. Yeah. It's a cheap stack. You can throw on the end with, with Lockett and Metcalf or, you know, throw Kenneth Walker in there if you need a running back. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I like that. You, you, you make a bet that the, if you, if you go in with the chiefs and they get the, the first round by that you got Seahawks, and concentrated offense there. Yeah. Jump jumping around a little bit. Um, this is this is less of a take for the fantasy playoffs, but I did want to talk about Kenny Pickett a little bit here. He really continues to struggle. Continues to struggle. He's uh, the far left of this chart in adjusted yards per attempt. Now again, that's driven by a very high interception to touchdown ratio which is maybe somewhat fluky, but we do have a pretty big sample on Kenny Pickett now. So for maybe this is more of a take in dynasty. Um, I'm certainly not giving up on Kenny Pickett yet, but I, he hasn't really flashed much in, in a limited, in in a sample so far. So I'm um, with you. This is in dynasty in Superflex. This is a great off ramp spot for Kenny Pickett where, He's still put up games with points. He's he's showing some rushing upside. And in Superflex, you can likely get a pretty good return on him at this yeah. point. Yeah. I, yeah. If you're a contender that needs points um, and you're looking for a forward-looking team, you can maybe deal Pickett for, I don't know. I'm not a dynasty expert, but like, uh, an older quarterback is going to give you more production down the stretch, maybe a Brady plus something else, um, something along those lines. Or if you're trying to completely blow it up, you could maybe trade Pickett for for a future pick as well. well. Yeah. So Pat was talking about uh, in 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 the draft season that he was able to uh, uh, after Daniel Jones's uh, rookie season, he was able to tra- trade him for a bucket load of picks, and it's just because the quarterback position is so valuable. And so that that's kind of like what I had in mind. And like teams will team even even if they're not the best quarterback, if they're young, you think they're going to start for a while. They've got some rushing. Uh, you, you, you they do t- tend to have some pretty good value. Yep. Great. And yeah, I'm with you there on, on the picket stuff. Last thing to call out. Um, we talked about Justin Fields as the arbitrage Lamar Jackson that continues to look good. Uh, the rushing production for Fields is just insane. He's now at 67 rushing yards per game. That's second only to Lamar. And it's really been skewed towards the last, you know, the back half of the year early in the season, they weren't having Fields rush much. So I think 
that's almost like the floor of maybe that's too ambitious, but I'm thinking of like that 60 to 65 number is almost the floor of fields rushing going right. forward. He's shown like a hundred plus rushing yards in, in back to back games, even up to 180 in one game. So I, I mean, don't know. he's an elite fantasy quarterback now. Yeah. Who like, how many guys are you playing ahead of him? And say, say you picked up fields off waivers, which is very possible. Right. You know, how many guys are you still playing ahead of fields and, and who would they be? Um, I mean, next week, Josh Allen with that injury, I'm probably playing uh, Justin Fields um, ahead of him. After that, I'd probably start Jalen Hurts over him. Um, I think Fields and Mahomes. Now, this this might be a bit of a hot take. Um, I think that's actually thinking through it. I think that's really close. Um. Probably slight edge Mahomes over Fields, but yeah. I I was tempted to I was actually tempted at, when I started that sentence to put Fields ahead of him, but I think you still want uh, Mahomes slightly ahead. And yeah, then yeah. that's it. I think. Yeah, that's that's fair. So yeah, I, I think for me, I would I'm maybe slightly less bullish, but I, I still think I would have him in my top five. I think I, I think I'd play Mahomes. Allen, Hertz, and Lamar, assuming that that Andrews is back. I would play those four ahead of Fields, but even with the uh, Allen injury, yeah, I think I I don't know. I, I heard some some film breakdowns of the game. It, it looked to me like just poor decision making more than like an injury affecting Allen last week, and he still put up twenty fantasy points. So I guess I'm not that spooked on Allen with the injury um I just think you know he, he's still at 26 points per game for the season fields down at 20 so he's still you know I think you have to project Allen better but like you said I don't, I don't think it's crazy like th- there's an argument for fields what I'm probably doing if I have both of them is I'm trading Josh Allen for an elite running back or wide receiver and then starting fields the rest of the way it, you know totally depends on what you can get um, as trade compensation, how how much your league mates are willing to pay up for quarterback. But I would be selling the if I have any of these top five guys: Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, Hurts. I'd be trying to trade them and ride Fields for the rest of the year. I actually I did this in one in one league, um, a one quarterback league, where I dealt Lamar for Tyler Lockett. It wasn't an amazing deal. I wish I could have gotten more for Lamar, but. I was really struggling at wide receiver. I needed to get a win that week. And um, I'll start Lockett the rest of the way, and I feel fine with with Fields replacing Jackson. So ideally you can get like a little bit of a better player than that if you're dealing one of these elite quarterbacks, but sometimes that's just dependent on what your what your league mates are. Yeah, are this is not chasing, with. not negotiations trading. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. That that's the type of move I'm trying to make. Trade if you got fields off waivers and you have two elite quarterbacks now trade the guy you drafted highly and, and ride with fields. Cause I think that's the the way you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Um, so interesting dynasty question, question here of yeah. um, dynasty fields or Watson. Uh, this is fields for me and I'm and, and not close at all. Uh, and yeah. I guess my rationale would just be age and, 
and then also for Watson, you you do have that. I was, I, I hate talking about it like this, and um, but it, it is just like a risk of like you see you see all these con, uh, continuous like uh, lawsuits come in, and yeah. and it, it does it doesn't it feels right now like the door may be closed, but you've you've got that risk that suddenly it, it, it slams right back open. Um, or uh, flings right back open. Yeah, and he, he, I guess, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that 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 that's what I would say about that. Yeah, I think I would go Fields too. Um, you know, Watson's only twenty-seven. I'm not. It, it, quarterbacks can last a really long time. I'm not super worried about the age difference, I guess, from 23 to 27. I'm, I'm more on the concern of a legal risk um, down the line for Watson or B. Sometimes we just see when guys take extended periods off from football, they just don't come back. Um, like, who knows how Watson's training um, regimen has been since he's been gone. You know, I haven't heard any reports that it's been bad, but Clearly, he's got some mental issues going on. Um, I, you know, I don't want to say too much more about that. I'm not a legal expert or, or anything, but um, I, I would treat Fields as the safer option, and I think he also has incredible upside as well. So I would probably, I'd probably roll with Fields. Um, but yeah, I think it's from the age point of view is that in three, so Watson 27 now. Uh, Fields is 24. In three years, Watson will have a tree at the start of his age. And now I, I know you don't, it's not really like the stock market or whatever, but I do think that's like a pretty predictable point where the trade value is is, is lower. Whereas uh when when um Fields is 27, his I think from that point of view, his value is gonna hold up a lot better in the trade market than uh, Watson's will. Yeah. That that's a fair point. Um, I certainly defer to you on like dynasty trade markets. I don't have a ton of experience there. Um, I'm making it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as we all are. Okay, cool. Let let's move along here to to running back. Um, so for people following along on video, we're now looking at running back snaps and usage over the last five weeks, from week six to week ten. And we have all the running backs here who have greater than 40% routes or rush attempts as a percentage of their team's snaps. So it ranges from guys like Saquon Barkley, who are around 70% routes or rush attempts as a percent of their, his team's snaps, all the way down to Jamal Williams, who is at around 40% routes and rush attempts as a percent of his team's snaps. You can also see the expected points per game here uh below the names see some guys like Eckler and Ramondre really pop there in terms of expected points as well as fantasy points over expected per game Joe Mixon is now the most efficient <laughs> running back in fantasy points over expected per game besides Tony Pollard due to that one 50 points week six yeah that one explosion so um anyways I think this there's a couple things that that jump out to me here, starting with James Conner. This is a guy we haven't talked about 
for a while, but he came back last week um, immediately in an 80 plus percent snap share role. The team also has released, you know, Benjamin, and I believe only gave the backup running back in uh, last week's game, Keontae Ingram, a handful of carries. Ingram just had two carry, or sorry, one carry to Connors 21, just two routes run to Connors 23. Um, Connor had 65 of 68 snaps. So I think actually this chart is is showing Connor's usage over maybe maybe two games, and it would even look better if it was just last week's. Um, I forget exactly when he went out with injury, but point being, I think they're ready to go back to James Connor in a full-time role like we saw last year when uh, Chase Edmonds was hurt. So Connor is a guy that maybe there's a, a sneaky buy window on him right now. Um, I'm trying to think of like who I would I'd send for Connor, like guys like Zeke, maybe um, Najee, uh, guys maybe in that range, maybe even Fournette you consider with Rashad White um, usage popping up. Maybe you can deal one of those guys and get Connor because the usage was really strong last week. Any, any thoughts on Connor or yeah. the Cardinals running back situation in general? Yeah. So top for me, would main talk would be uh, in terms of the playoff um playoff basketball i don't think he's he's really in the conversation and um, we've got our earth 538 have uh cardinals 12 percent yeah probability of making the playoffs they've not been very good uh this year i think really you're thinking about james connor in a situation of He's now got a for the next couple of weeks, at least at least the next couple of weeks, he's got what we're perceiving to be a great um uh, opportunity share. And so he's definitely he definitely seems like to be on the profile of if you really need help getting into the playoffs, um he's a good potential target. Um I think with any of these guys, um, especially yeah. all the running backs, you do want to be careful of like an overpay. And I don't think any of those players uh, you mentioned uh, represent that. Uh, but that is something that I, I would definitely be careful with. Um, it's it's hard to... In a vacuum, it's difficult to uh, present uh, possible trade cat, uh, candidates because you can't speak about every single league. Uh, or, or format, but definitely, a tar- I think definitely a target where, if situationally, you are one of those kind of cusp uh, playoff teams, and you need a bit of a push over the edge, definitely a, a good potential target to consider, but really do want to be price conscious. Yeah, and he did have twenty two point PPR points or so last week. So for the box score watchers, it might be tough to buy him, but. I think my overall point would be is if, if someone's like thinking, oh, this is a James Conner sell high opportunity um, and you can buy him at a reasonable price. Again, like hard to say exactly what what that is aside from some of those names I threw out. I think Connor is a good a good buy right now. I think that the market perception of him is is lower than it should be. Uh, Stephanie asked, what about when Williams gets off IR? I think he's not. Uh, Daryl Williams is not back due from IR for a couple weeks. And 
yeah, even then, I don't know. I'm not I'm not projecting Williams for a big role. Williams was running behind Eno for most of the year, and Eno just got cut. So I don't think the team thinks pretty highly uh, of, of Daryl Williams. I would probably target Keontae Ingram as the most likely number two there. But no, we're not uh, trying to suggest that you pay a bell cow price for Connor either. I mean, if you do pay a bell cow price for Connor. Well, then you have to be worried about Daryl. You have to be worried about Keontae. Yeah. Um, but if if you are price conscious, you can probably weather them uh, getting solid uh, workloads and him still uh, scoring good points for you from being the the, the lead committee back. Uh, yeah. You, 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 that that I I to me that's that's why you, you be price conscious, but he's definitely going to be the top dog now. It seems. Yep, I I agree with that. Okay, let's let's get to a couple. I want to talk through the Chiefs um, and the Bucks backfields because I think there's some interesting stuff going on there. So let's start with the Bucks. Um, we have Fournette here at about a 60% snap roll. Again, this is over the past five weeks and about 15 expected points per game. We have Rashad White on the next chart at around a 35% uh, rush route roll and nine expected fantasy points per game. So, you know, it's not a perfect way to do it, but add those together, nine plus 15. We're talking about 25 or so expected fantasy points per game in this backfield between two guys do you have a lean on how would you sort of if you're going to project this forward um the rest of the way it sounds like Fournette's injury is not going to be an issue so let, let's assume right now both well, these guys right now the beat uh the beat reporters are talking about um Rashad White being the starter going forward yeah uh, he was I, I mean he was the starter in in the uh in the game just in in week 10 and he's obviously he's got the age in 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 his favor, um, uh, Lenny historically has been a pretty inefficient back. So I would so that's kind of like fifteen ten in Lenny's favor. I would I would expect it to be fifteen ten in uh, Rashad White's favor uh, going forward. And I think the the biggest thing for this offense and these backs is that twenty five expected points per game. Is, is pretty good. So it it there is enough expected points going around there for uh two fantasy viable backs. Um and I, my my biggest take on Rashad White is that um he his value is a lot higher in redraft probably to me anyway than he would be in dynasty. Uh, and my rationale for that is is that he actually he is an older uh, rookie. Uh, let, let me get his exact age. Uh, I think he's twenty four. And then the one of the big reasons that it's so valuable, uh, he's twenty three, but he turns twenty four in January. And um, one of the the big things that this backfield is valuable is just from the uh, the goal line carries. Now, obviously, they've been lower this year. And also um, uh, targets from Tom Brady, mm. and I think if you think about it from a dynasty dynasty perspective, 
uh, you've got extreme risk of uh, Brady uh, retiring pretty soon. And then uh, all, all that fantasy richness is no longer there. Uh, so would be wary, would be pretty wary about that in Dynasty. Um, but pretty excited about White for the uh, the rest of the year. Yeah, I think I'm so like that 15-10 breakdown is is probably about yeah, I would say the median is something around anywhere from a full 50-50 split to a slight edge for Rashad White. I will call out that even though Rashad White officially did start the game uh in in Munich, Fournette did outtouch him 14 to 11 before Fournette went down with injury. So it really was something close to a 50-50 split. Maybe even you could say a slight lean to Fournette. But with with the injury, with how well Rashad White played after Fournette went down, I think that coming out of the bye, they're going to look to get Rashad White involved as the 1A. But I do expect, yeah, something closer to a 55-45, 60-40. I have to still give Fournette the edge on sort of carries from the you know one or two yard line goal line carries he's just the bigger back that the team probably trusts down there but white certainly has more more upside than Fournette because I now I think the likelihood of Fournette getting an 80 percent role with with white healthy is is almost zero now where I could see a world where they they move Fournette uh to a much smaller role if, if white really performs down the stretch the the other point I wanted to add to the, the playoff contest, uh, I think the Bucks are one of the most exciting ways to attack the playoff contest right now. They have just an 83% chance of making the playoffs. Um, so not guaranteed to make the playoffs, but I think that's keeping their prices really low. You have Brady going at pick 50. Um, so that's close to a last round pick in this format um, second or third to last round you have mike evans going in let's see pick 35 um sorry 39 so also pretty late you have godwin going even after that pick 54 rashad white pick 60 so that's like last overall pick you can really get away with stacking up the bucks with four of your last you know six picks or so and I just think that the NFC this year is pretty wide open. You know, you have the Eagles who just lost the Commanders last night. I mean, they're still looking really good, but um, I think their win-loss record is a little bit fluky. Uh, the Vikings, people have also made this point, but they've just won a ton of one-score games. I think their win-loss record is a little bit fluky. And I could just see the Bucks getting hot at the right time in the playoffs and and making a bit of a run. Maybe it's you know maybe it's my uh, Tom Brady bias as growing up as a Pats fan, but we saw this with the Bucks back in. Where do you live again? <laughs> uh, might might be in New England, uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> you? definitely. I'm so surprised. <laughs> this is like Liam touting the Bills as a as a good pick. If I tout Tom Brady and anything, but. Yeah, man, I don't know. I, 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 think... I mean, we just talked about the Seahawks at similar prices. I'm so excited to talk about Kenneth Walker uh, with his big share of uh, running back usage and price. So it, it, it'd probably be a little bit hypocritical of me not to at least be a little bit excited about Rashad White at pick 60 when I just said I think he's getting uh, 15 expected points per game. 
and uh, Chris Godwin at pick 55. Yeah. Those seem like pretty attractive prices. Um, it's so it's just so hard to envision me uh, for me to envision um, the Buccaneers being this team that makes a deep run. But it's week ten. We we really don't know any of this stuff right now. Yeah, if you remember back in 2020, you know I I I don't know their exact record at this point, but people were kind of ruling out the Bucks at around this time. Then like their their record was okay, but. The team, the offense is really struggling. Brady didn't look that great. Um, I think people forget a little bit their their 2020 run um, in the playoffs, I think, came from a wild card spot or maybe a four a four seed with the division win. Uh, I wish I had this this remembered right now. But um, another thing in favor of the Bucks is if they make the playoffs, it's almost certainly because they won the division, which gets them one home game in the playoffs. That division is so bad, they just have to beat out the Falcons, Saints, and Panthers. So I think that's like that this 81% from 538, I'd almost be willing to say that that should be even higher. Um, I know there's the chance they miss and the Falcons go on some kind of weird run and make the playoffs, or maybe the Saints do. But, um, you know, I have a really hard time seeing them losing the division to the to the Falcons or Saints or Panthers. So, so within um, that, uh, they have a, a 15% probability to the Falcons, which uh, kind of using a, a, a probabilistic thinking seems reasonable. Like, I think to get to the, bu- the Buccaneers to 85, 90, you, you got to push the Falcons close, like really close to zero. Yeah, which I'm a little bit low to do just because you you do have to think probabilistically about these things. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that that's that's fair. I think, you know, uh, I can see how they get to the 80 percent figure. The Bucks are only five and five. A lot of weird stuff can happen in the NFL. But um, yeah, I, I feel good. The, the thing that matters, I think, is like, say you compare them to the Seahawks or Giants. Those teams have similar odds for making the playoffs, but the Seahawks only have a 35% chance of winning the division and the Giants only have a 12% chance of winning their division. So that's to say if those teams make the playoffs, they're going to be going on the road more likely than not. Whereas if the Bucs make the playoffs, it's almost certainly because they won their division. And that's just a pretty big advantage. You know, right. home, home field advantage is worth usually like three three points on, on a betting line or whatever the you know the common knowledge is there. So... That's that's a and pretty, that's sort of reflected in your expected games, uh, yeah. Total that you were talking about last night, yeah. Um, Anyways, we've gone off on a, on a tangent a bit. Uh, any any other running backs? We 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 should talk about the Chiefs situation. Actually, we, we mentioned that at the top. Um, me and Pat talked about this last night, but do you have a lean on? It's it it seems pretty clear that Ceh is out, and it's kind of down to uh, McKinnon versus Pacheco. Let's say for um, just the regular season now, like if you're a team that wants to acquire one of these guys for your, your regular season um, fantasy leagues, do you have a lean between who you want, uh, Pacheco versus McKinnon? Um, not really, no. I think they're both valuable, but it does seem like a situation where um, Pacheco's getting the carries, McKinnon's getting the uh, he's getting the targets. Um, I don't think I think McKinnon will be a factor uh, close to the goal line, 
especially with his passing, uh, is receiving uh, a bit chops. Hmm. So that that's yeah, that one feels very close to 50 50 to me, and uh, maybe slightly in Pacheco, but not not overwhelming by any stretch. Yeah, that that seems about right to me. I, I think for the regular season, I'd go Pacheco. Uh, he even like the routes were pretty close between Pacheco and McKinnon last week. It was 18 McKinnon routes to 16 Pacheco. Now McKinnon turned those 18 routes into eight targets, whereas Pacheco had zero targets on 16 routes. So I think Mahomes, like you can kind of tell when when McKinnon's in the game, Mahomes is looking his way. When Pacheco's in the game, his his route running does not look very very confident. I don't think he has many. Right, they're they're different players. Yeah, but I still think. Yeah, just for the the carries, the goal line usage, uh, I would rather have Pacheco. Now, if we're talking, <clears throat> if we're talking the playoff format, and this is more just like a gut feel take than than analytics, um, I would actually lean McKinnon over Pacheco for because of what they reasons. did last year. Yeah, um, yeah, I think two main reasons for that. One, I think there is some possibility the team is just sort of protecting McKinnon. For the playoffs, we saw last year him really go off in in the playoffs. And even when CEH was healthy, they just completely iced CEH for McKinnon. He got the rushing and the receiving workload in a couple games. So that's one reason. Number two, they're more likely to be in in passing scripts in the playoffs than they're in the regular season. So when they go up against the Bills, you know, if they play the Bengals, these teams are they're gonna need to score a lot of points. So I'm expecting McKinnon to get heavier snap shares in those playoff games, assuming they're going up against some some high-powered offenses in the playoffs. Do you agree with that, McKinnon over Pacheco for the playoff formats? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, it feels like something that, like, we both know that it's not like we have solid data to back that up. We just know that's what they did last year. So seems like the most probable outcome is that they do it again. Yeah, I I agree with that. Let's see here. I think another thing people will be talking about is the San Francisco running back situation. Um, we have McCaffrey moving pretty far to the right on this chart. And that's that's mainly influenced by two things. By his first week in San Francisco where he had a very limited role. That week is reflected in this data. It's also a little bit because of last week where McCaffrey saw more of a committee with Elijah Mitchell back in the fold. We had Elijah Mitchell getting um, a decent snap share. He had 24 snaps out of 71, so almost a 30% snap share with uh, McCaffrey at 47 out of 71, so more of like a 60% snap share. I think, and, and curious what you think, I'm not overly concerned about this i think when you see the box score it looks kind of scary that mitchell got 18 carries but mccaffrey still had five targets he still had 14 carries of his own he was he was getting all the routes out of the backfield um you know this is no longer the mccaffrey on the panthers role it's it's just more your sort of average workhorse or semi-workhorse role on another team but on a much more efficient offense so yeah, I don't know. Like you're not, not getting the worry, there. The situation is is uh, a little bit worse. Like he's a 49er now. Yeah. 
So he's going to have the 49er kind of like profile, and probably where there's so many good players on their team, which is why they're so efficient, or partly why, and that it's not, it's, it's probably, you're not going to get every game beat McCaffrey shown now. And, or at least that's what seems likely, but you're still going to get some very strong games. And, but it's also, I think it's also a situation where it's really hard to be uh, too confident either way, what's going to happen. Like, to, I, I'm I'm placing a fair bit of uh, of weight on on the fact that they really really liked uh, Elijah Mitchell last year, and when he's back healthy, they're they're giving him like a fair share of the workload, and I, I think it's kind of like pretty likely that they continue to to give him that, but at the same time. It, it the, the the whenever you talk about the 49ers, it's really hard to call it one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel similarly. I think I expect a similar snap share breakdown. I do think that the fact Mitchell got 18 carries on 24 snaps is a little a little bit fluky, you know, due to the to the positive game strip a little bit there. Uh but yeah, I'm I guess like you have to say last week was a negative to McCaffrey, the fact that Mitchell took um sort of that you know 33 snap roll and took a decent bit of carries but almost every running back in the league sees right. like some running back on their team take a third of the snaps so um yeah but i guess you drafted yeah. mccaffrey 101 and, and someone tells you oh well another running back is getting 33 35 percent in the snaps and your camera got a little weird by the way and yeah. that's good and you you you, you drop them one on one on someone tells you that then you're 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 disappointed. So yeah. it is it is like like you said it is a negative, but still a very startable player. Yeah, still I think I would still be. Yeah, I would probably still have McCaffrey in in my top three or so. You know, maybe someone like Eckler and Barkley. I would rank. I would probably rather have. But I think McCaffrey is still up there for me for the receiving usage. And yeah, we're just one, you know, one week off of his 40 point fantasy game on the 49ers. So um, are you still I, taking him over Justin Jefferson? Um in PPR, no. Um I don't think I would take him over Jefferson. I don't think I would take him over Diggs or Tyreek either. Um, I don't think I would take any running backs over those three, to be honest. Um, that's fair, for sure. Yeah. Um, and that type of year. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Speaking of wide receivers, let's, I think let's keep things moving. I don't think there's there's too many interesting, I, I guess like just a couple quick notes. Uh, Jeff Wilson, again, uh, dominated snaps last week. I think it, it's sort of a 60-40 split with Mostert. So, He's a guy. If you can catch your league mate sleeping, um, try to try to you know send some type of package deal where you get Jeff Wilson thrown in. I think he's a really strong buy now and also for the fantasy playoff formats. Um, Agree. Yeah. But besides that, let's let's move on to wide receiver. Um. Yeah. Well. Next. next or, or do you want to talk about this? Um. No. Let's let's just let's keep going to wide receiver. 
I'll yeah. send these charts. So the the I do think just for people following along, uh, I did do the expected fantasy points charts for running back, just filtering for the last five weeks, and I think they're interesting. Um, but we've already spent a lot of time on running back, so I'll send these out on on Twitter for anyone who wants to look at these. It shows things like Eckler with an insane 19 expected fantasy points per game from week six to weeks ten. That's ridiculous. You know, Ramondre in a legendary work workload type role. There's some cool stuff here on this chart to check out, but um, I think we, we got to spend so long talking about uh, running backs. Pete is logging back in the stream yard to cut off our access, kick us <laughs> off the stream. And uh, stat chasing will be done by new hosts next week. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've been fired for talking about Elijah Mitchell for 20 minutes. That's a real shame. Um, okay. Wide receiver uh, by, by Pete's decree. We are looking at here. Wide receiver opportunity versus fantasy points for wide receivers that have run more than 85% of their team's routes. On the chart here, we have fantasy points per game on the y-axis, on the x-axis, weighted targets per route run. So these is tar- number of targets you get per number of routes run, but adjusted for your average depth of target. Uh, so a short screen is worth less than a 40-yard bomb downfield. So on this chart here, again, this this chart is another one that's been pretty stable. Um, we now have 10 weeks of data. We did and... get a promotion for Steph Diggs. I think that's pretty notable, actually. Yeah, can you talk through what, what, you're, referring, what you're referring to there with Diggs? Um, so Diggs, uh, for a lot of this, was on the second chart. Uh, uh, he's he, he was below Before, he was below 85% there. A Reds run, and now he's above, uh, which is, uh, I mean, he he's he's such a strong pick. We we're just talking about him being one of the first, like, I don't know, like three or four picks, and uh, so it's hard for him to go higher. But um, that just it, it it just adds to the floor, make gives him an even higher floor than before. That he's running even more red, uh, an even higher percentage of reds than he was at the start of the year. Yep. Yeah, I I don't have a good reason for why he was at less than eighty five percent, and now why he's crept up. I maybe he was dealing with some minor conditioning or health thing earlier in the year, and they've just ramped him up. Um, either way, good to see him in that category now. Um, and yeah, th- this chart I think it's pretty clear if you look at the top right of this chart who the elite contingent of wide receivers are. Uh, you know, I think you can throw. Chase, Jefferson, Cup, who's now an IR, Hopkins, Diggs, Adams, and and maybe Lamb and AJ Brown, maybe slightly below those guys. But um, this chart pretty clearly shows the you know the players who are getting a massive opportunity, and and the one the two that are maybe missing from here that you would consider in that would be Tyreek and Waddle. They're just on the next chart because they have less than eighty five percent of their team's routes. But this chart does really good job of highlighting um sort of the elite elite roles in the nfl um and yeah so i think one one thing i want to talk about here connor was the cooper cup situation he's going to go on ir for four weeks i wouldn't be surprised if he's out even longer or if they shut him down for the full year just based on where the rams are in the standings right now they could be ruled out from the playoff hunt at that point so the guys running behind him are Allen Robinson, uh, Van Jefferson, and Bennett 
Skowronik. In in a league where, say, you're desperate for a flex or wide receiver starter and these guys are available on the waiver wire, do you have any lean on how the wide receiver room for the Rams is going to shake out? Um, I think it's just going to be terrible, to be honest. Like, I, I hate saying yeah. it like this, but these are all just uh, – below NFL average players like even Higby is is not uh not an he's below average uh receiver the NFL level uh so that suggest and and then you have the their struggles in the running game um the 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 easy answer for me or the quick answer is I just think it's going to be none of them uh the offense is going to suck um but yeah. that's a little bit of a cop out. Um, probably, I guess, if I was had to pick somebody, it probably is Allen Robinson. Um, just because he he does have some pedigree. Yeah. Um, and Skoranek is kind of like the dictionary definition of a jag. But that that I I, I don't know if I can do a lot better than that. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. Even Van Jefferson coming off the injury, like I'm, I'm struggling to see how he performs well now that uh, the offense. I, I guess uh, if if the offense creators, um, how how does that give him enough kind of room to operate or or, or run deep if yeah. if the offense just isn't on the field as much anymore. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of a disaster. And you also have Stafford hurt. Um, you know, Wolford played last week. I think I'm kind of with you that it's it's more a stay away than like some massive contingent upside for one of these guys. I agree. If I was to pick, I'm going Robinson over Skaronic. I think you can rule it down to those two just based on routes. And Skaronic's, you know, Robinson, we've made fun of his cardio specialist uh, ability out there. But Skaronic's not even worse, as you see on the next chart. He's at around 30% weighted targets per route run. One of, one of the worst of the 75 to 80% route players. So he's he's earning even less targets than Robinson. I think some of the designed um, short area stuff that kept, that Cup gets a ton of will go to Robinson. I think they're more likely to design plays for him. So, you know, if you're telling like maybe – if you're telling me like Allen Robinson versus Thielen rest of year, I would ra- rather have Robinson because of this cup injury. I think I'd rather have him than a guy like Mooney or um, DPJ. So I think that's, that's sort of the range I'm talking about, like a high end wide receiver four, low end wide receiver three, I think is kind of how I'm, I'm viewing Robinson, but it's not a guy with with a ton of upside, I don't think. It's just you know someone you can get you six catches for sixty two yards and maybe a touchdown. I, th- I think at this point in his career, he's not getting you a ton more than that on a weekly basis. Um, yeah. So if you don't mind, if I go back to our, our kind of like playoff, um, yeah, basketball team, um, one of the teams that you, in five thirty eight they have a pretty high expected game number for the Cowboys. 95% to make the playoffs, 2.2 expected games. And the highest is the Chiefs at 2.7. So it, it the uh, 538 are telling us that the Cowboys are a team 
and uh, that we should be interested in for this tournament. Um, well, assuming assuming we buy that, we can we can maybe talk about if we buy it or not. Um, I see that CD Lamb is definitely not at a discount at ADP of fourteen, but Michael Gallup is pick forty seven, mm-hmm. which is pretty that that's pretty late for the wide receiver two on a, a team with that with that a uh, high a uh, playoff equity um but we we see on this chart that despite uh despite getting a pretty solid uh weighted targets per run his points have been terrible how how uh how are you looking at uh Michael Gallup yeah he's a guy that I think is interesting and I would I've been in some some home leagues where he's available on waivers I'm, I'm trying to get him this week I think with these guys coming off ACL tears, we generally see them ramp up throughout the course of the year. And like you said, his target opportunity is pretty strong. It's in the range of guys like Pittman, Devonta Smith, Debo, DJ, um, some guys that have you know had some strong performances. So I'm I'm interested in Gallup. You're right; the inefficiency has been on a per target basis has been awful so far. But I'm willing to bet that it it sort of regresses to his career um his career averages and he becomes a, a useful sort of flex piece down the stretch and yeah like you said in in the playoff formats i think he's an interesting guy to add late uh for your dallas stacks um yeah i guess the other thing is like o- obj is a bit of a wild card there right i think obj could cor- sort of um steal gallop's role potentially there's been a lot of rumors there so that's maybe the risk on investing a ton in Gallup is that someone like OBJ comes in, but you know, I'd still put that at less than 50% chance of happening, maybe around 50. Um, if I was just a wing, wing a probability there. Um, so, and so um, with the playoff question and him and him being such a strong value relative to the other Cowboys, um, how would you, make him part of like a, a Dallas like super stack because like that's an easier way to draft for Cowboys or would you prefer to uh, maybe do it like a not a skinny but like two two Cowboys players and uh, at a cheaper value how, how how would you play that yeah that's a good question I think I think and maybe this is a cop out I, I think both are are viable um I, I think i'm more likely though to take gallup on teams where i have the cowboys making a deep run so may, maybe more like cowboys super stacks where i'm say I'm, I'm taking Dak, i'm taking pollard i'm taking lamb and i'm betting that the cowboys are going to make it to the super bowl in that scenario i probably want some fourth piece there whereas like if i'm just taking two players from a, from a team Oftentimes you're okay with those two players just having one or two big weeks and then losing in, in the conference championship or something. And you know, if I'm only getting Cowboys players for one or two weeks, I think it's it's less likely that you know Gallup gets there on a massive spike week um, and, and wins you a week. I think he's he's more likely to to be a guy that matters in that format because he just gets successive like nine to fifteen point weeks that help you advance and and help you um, in the final week. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's just sort of off the top of my head. Do you have any thoughts there? Um, 
to be honest, no. Uh, it was just a question I had. Yeah. And um, was curious what you thought about it. I, I, I think I tend to agree um, that he, he's definitely an attractive fourth piece. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with, with how you put that. Yeah, that makes sense. Good, good point from Stephanie here. I, I wasn't thinking about this. James Washington will be back soon for Dallas. I still think Gallup is the wide receiver the team invested very heavily in this offseason. He got a pretty big contract. Um, he's been running ahead of Noah Brown now, if you look at um, last week's snaps. So I expect Washington to compete with Brown for the wide receiver role. I don't really expect him to be taking snaps from Gallup, especially coming off a, a pretty major injury himself. But that's a good note. James Washington is someone we should should keep on our radar, see how he affects the snaps when he comes back. Um, let's move on here to, to the next wide receiver chart. I didn't have a ton to say here besides um, Darius Slayton is, is the wide receiver one on the Giants. I think that's pretty clear now. And he he had a pretty big spiked week last week um, as, as far as Giants wide receivers go. So he's a guy I'm adding um, in, in more casual leagues where he's still on the wire. Uh, aside from that, kind of kind of same old here for um, these wide receivers. Um, yeah, any thoughts? Um, any thoughts on any of these guys? Um, nothing is really uh, jumping out to me. Um, just gonna check where T. So T. Higgins maybe is interesting. Um, yeah. In in, in the, the playoff format, it gave gone at ADP forty nine. Um, that's one of those things where like the Bengals are like one of those lower probability teams. Yeah. Um, but if they do make it, we we we've seen them. We saw them make a run last year. And we've seen how important T. Higgins can be for the team. Um, but I, I would count that as kind of like a more of a minor uh, point. Yeah. I don't have any kind of like strong take takes or takeaways from this chart that we haven't talked about before. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think a guy who's not on this chart, but we should talk about is Kadarius Tony for the Chiefs. Um, so I think he wasn't actually going to be due for a major role last week. And then Juju went down and that pushed him into a much higher snap role. Miko Hardman was down too. And Miko Hardman was down too. So that, that's a good point. Um, I I think, you know, I think this requires like really monitoring the Chiefs uh, injuries to both Juju and Hardman. Neither of their injuries sound like something that, is going to keep them out for too long. So it's interesting. Uh, if you look at the snaps last week, uh, 40, there was a, a total of, of 40 routes uh, for the Chiefs. MVS led the team with 34 routes, then Watson at 29, um, and then Tony and Juju down at 17 and 16, Sky Moore all the way down at 10. You know, I, I think that Watson and uh, MVS – are less talented than Juju, Tony, and Hardman. But I don't know if you can play Hardman, Juju, and Tony on the field together. I think none of them are really like proven as outside wide receivers in the NFL. So 
I want to say that Watson and MVS could be pushed to the side and you could get, you know, Tony, Juju, and Hardman out there, but I don't think the Chiefs will do that. I think you'll still still see a lot of Watson and MVS. So yeah, I like I, I want to be more excited about Tony, and I think in playoff formats I am, but for this regular season stuff, I still expect him to have like more of you know a 50%. You know, even with the Juju out for half the game and Hardman out last week, he didn't even run 50% of the team's routes. So um I, I I don't know. I think I would still probably project him for the regular season at like a 50 to 60% routes roll. Um, and maybe in the playoffs that that spikes even more, but um, yeah, I don't want to be the, the, the cold towel or whatever the expression is on Tony guy, but wet blanket. yeah, wet blanket, cold towel. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on Tony? Like how do you see his, his snaps evolving, uh, throughout the year? If you're to sort of guess there. Um, that's a hard one. I think, um, if, if I used to make the case for it going higher, it would be that, uh, when he what they used him a lot when he was on the field, and um, yeah. and he performed with with it, and so that would be maybe the case of where you might say, okay, um, these other players, they've uh, they've struggled a bit, and then Tony he's played better with the snaps that he has, so that could maybe be the case for him to be closer to a full time player, uh, but. Yeah, Tony is a hard one for me to read. Yeah, he's, he's a hard... It's one of those gut things where um, he's he always seems to have these question marks of like availability and stuff like faking the hamstring to get off the team uh, with the Giants, which is kind of what he told us with a celebration. Yeah. Uh, that uh that that sort of stuff is kind of like a, it's a bit of a red flag for me and uh, he, he's he had issues in in college with availability and uh, yeah that 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 that's where i always struggle with tony but the problem is that he's so so good that if if you if i'm wrong and and uh the the enthusiasts are are correct and he does have this good year, then he could smash so, so hard. Yeah. It seems like a situation where, like, the median projection doesn't look great for Tony just because of concerns on playing time and maybe some off-the-field health stuff. But he has clearly the most upside, I think, of any Chiefs wide receiver. I think I would only take Juju above him for for rest of season in fantasy. I, I definitely like him over MBS, Hardman, you know, whoever else. Um, and yeah, maybe even I think he has more pure upside than Juju, but Juju's, you know, 50 to 95 percent outcomes are, are maybe still better than Tony's is, is how I'd, I would maybe look at it. So um, yeah, I think that's very fair. Yeah. OK, let's uh, finish up on on tight ends here. Um Starting with the starting tight ends, uh, if you want to call them that, we're looking here at tight end utilization and efficiency. So tight ends with greater than 60% of routes run from weeks 6 through 10. Um, we also have targets for route run and ADOT shown on this chart. So you can look at to see if 
uh, tight ends are using down the being used down the field, you know, like Kyle Pitts, eight out of 14.4. That's really high for a tight end. Greg Dulcich, 13.7. That's really high for a tight end First guys that are being used in more sort of short dump off roles, um, like Dallas Goddard, you know, 5.1, a dot, um, Hayden Hurst, 5.4, a dot. So some, some differences there. Uh, I'll call out a couple of things that, that I noticed right away. Number one, I think Foster Moreau is a tight end one as long as Darren Waller is out. He's maybe not the most exciting guy from an athletic um, standpoint, but he has the full-time role there. Uh, that's pretty clear. And he's got a decent targets for outrun, you know, okay, uh, middling ADOT. Um, not someone I'm super excited about, but I think he's definitely, you know, on the the low end tight end one uh, bubble as long as Waller is out. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on some of the other guys on this chart? Um, um, yeah. Connor. yeah. So the first thing that struck me here uh, was the Trey McBride popping in our yeah. top seven or so uh, of route run. And I will say that's a, uh, that's held up quite a lot uh, by the last game, uh, week 10, when, um, uh, what's his name, Zach Ertz got injured. Uh, so, yeah, uh, sorry, I actually, just to be clear, uh, this I, I did a manual air, um, change just to only show McBride from last week, just to sort okay. of compare. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so. Because this that's, is that's, that's kind yeah. of like the closest that we can get to what we should project forward. Yeah, yeah. And so that, that makes sense. Um, and I think that's also relevant when we look at the targets per route run and that we're only looking at, what is it, 36 routes uh, sample size. Yeah. So 4%, he got one target on those. Uh, uh, or, or maybe that the target per route run is... Uh, so the target per route run is actually for the full year. So that right. that is actually an accurate targets for route run for him for this whole year. It's it's just been really really bad for McBride, but still still a low amount of routes. I can you know as you continue okay. to talk to McBride, I can pull that up. Okay. Um, so, so that yeah, he does have four percent um, targets for route run over the whole the whole season. And that is based on 50, 58 routes. He has three targets on 58 routes this season. Okay. So like and, 5%. Maybe, yeah. I'm not sure where that number says for, but it, it's low, whatever it is. Yeah, so I've got four targets on uh, 90 routes. Uh, so that's, that's where we're getting our 4%. Oh, okay, got it, got it, okay. Uh, so that's obviously uh, pretty poor. Um, I think that that's for for someone like me. I was really excited about McBride going into the season. He had this great receiving uh, profile in college. Uh, it was it was excited to see what uh, he could do to kind of challenge Zach Ertz uh, as it as the receiver from the tight end spot and uh, for me that's obviously a big kind of like reason for caution oh okay maybe the results here maybe he's not as good a receiver in the nfl as i thought he would be and um, 
So maybe that's a reason for some caution. And um, But I'm still a little bit optimistic that he was so good uh, as a receiver in college. And we're still only talking about 90 routes that maybe uh, maybe with Zach Ertz down, that the, the kind of routes that he's running and, and, and uh, the role, his overall role, maybe that's more conducive to fantasy points uh, than, uh, than it was before. So, but definitely that, that's, I, that makes me more cautious for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I'm similar. I'm willing to like give him a little bit of pass on the targets for outrun, just based on the fact that his, his role looks to be really strong. He's going to be running all the routes, you know, sort of in the same range as guys like Hawkinson Pitts, Komet, Dulcich in terms of just of, of route rates. Um, it's a team that we do expect to to be decently pass heavy uh, if Murray is to come back. And now Ertz is out for the year. So, you know, the, the target per route run stuff is not good. But, you know, th- that stuff can, I think, be be a bit noisy in such a small sample size. Right. Um, you know, we, we, would, we were ripping on Cole Komet all year as someone who had a really low target per route run. But he was running all the routes. And all of a sudden, he rips off two massive spike weeks. So, you know, you really just want to target the guys that are running all the routes and sort of, you know, cross your fingers. Um, McBride's maybe not flashed the most talent thus far in the NFL, but I think he's still, um, still, still viable as like a fringe, you know, tight end one, low end tight end two. Um, Another thing that, that I noticed here was Trey McKitty, uh, I think shows up here because Everett, got hurt last week um i don't have the latest on everett's injury but it looks like last week um pulling up the snap counts now mckitty ran 31 routes on 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 44 um dropbacks uh for the chargers um so that's a pretty high route rate everett was down at just seven so he must have gotten injured yeah, uh, so he got a he got a groin injury, and he's now considered day to day. Okay, got it. Okay, so that's just something you know. Very deep tight end premium leagues. Uh, McKitty is maybe worth a stash. I think you can start him if you're desperate. He looks to be the pretty clear uh, backup to Everett. I think um, Parham is is on IR or also injured. Um, so yeah, that's just maybe a name a, a stash to throw out there. For, for those leagues. Yeah, besides that, um, didn't have a ton to call out here. Again, Kyle Pitts peripherals continue to be uh, off the charts, and you can cash in your Sklansky box on, on those uh, in your points per targets per route run leagues. He's absolutely smashing. Not the most actionable point. And, but one thing you or, or I often hear about George Kittle is that he blocks too much. And you can see here, even in the last five weeks, that have been pretty favorable to him. He has actually blocked a lot, but he plays like almost every snap. So like, even though he's blocking like a, a pretty high percentage of the time, he's also running a lot of routes or a, a very high percentage of routes. And over the last five weeks, he's actually ran the highest percentage of routes uh, out of anyone. And so maybe this is more of a DFS point than anything else in that 
when uh, when the 49ers go into negative grand game scripts and have to throw a lot, he is, I, I mean, I don't know how, who needs a reminder of this, that in those scenarios, George Kittle can put up a lot of points. Yep. Totally agree there. I think Kittle is a good DFS play. I think people are probably sleeping on him uh, in terms of ownership, just with how many sort of, you know, dud games he's had in a row or just games where he hasn't made a big splash. So that's, that's a good note there. Let's finish off here with everybody's favorite chart, the backup tight ends. Um, poof. I do. I, you know, I did a ton of, of film this week on these guys. Didn't have a lot to share. I, I will say Chigakonkwo. I, I think I've said this three weeks in a row. So, um, People are probably familiar, but he just rips off like big plays every game. So I don't know why they can't get him on the field more. Um, that passing offense is is really struggling. I think, you know, I'm not, I'm still not adding him probably because it's, that's just too deep. I don't, you know, too deep of an ad in your, your main event FBG guys leagues most likely, but he is a guy I'm watching that if you were ever to jump out to like 50%, um routes or something like that if you see that start to go up um i i'm excited about him but yeah other than that um i'm not sure there's any injury situations anything like that to discuss um for these backup tight ends you got anything connor um not really no um i i'm wondering why yeah taller higby uh, is on the second page here uh, did he get hurt this week too? Um, let me look into that. Yeah, he. I think he did get injured. He only ran twenty four routes on on forty dropbacks this week. Um, I think he got banged up, but I'm not seeing much news on it. Um, you heard to hear folk here, folks. <laughs> his role is getting cut by the Rams for no apparent reason. Yeah. Nobody else is talking about this. Nobody else is talking about this. He did have a neck injury in week eight. Uh, that's all I can find. Uh, but yeah, man, his he started the year in an extremely high role. I, I mean, I think also what you can see in the chart here, Connor is that his pass, like he's still on the field for, 75% of snaps, but he's pass blocking a lot because that I think largely due to the Rams offensive line just sucking. So um, I think that's part of the story as well that he's just coming into block. But yeah, he must have either been injured last week or was just pass blocking a shit ton because um, his routes. So this is like a true number, actually. Uh, week eight is impacting it. So that pushed him down to 42%. And yeah. week 10, 65% of, of routes uh, run. Week 9, 61%. Week mm-hmm. 7, 59%. So, uh, and in that time, let's see, pass blocks, he had, uh, yeah, he had 24 different pass. He had a lot of pass blocks. Uh, he's up. In the in those uh, in the past five weeks, he's averaging uh, about a twenty percent uh, block rate. 
So he, he's, he's pass blocking 20% of the time and he's running a route, let's call it 80% of the time or 60% of the time. So that is like, that's a material change, right? That he, yeah. he, and I, I think that's a, that's a great call out on the pass block stuff that we were considering him like an and every or close to 80% route guy before. And, and that's a, that's pretty much where he was. Yeah. Whereas he, that's no longer the Tyler Higby, uh, the Tyler Higby profile. Now he's, he's running way less routes than before. Uh, so yeah, that, that's obviously quite a big concern. If you uh, are, are, are expecting fantasy points from Tyler Higby. Yep. That is, that's a good point. Higby, like, I think for a while, I would have thought of him in the same tiers, like the Hayden Hurst, Evan Ingram, um, Mike Kosicki, Dawson Knox types. He's he's clearly no longer in that tier. I think he's definitely cuttable in your regular 12-team, you know, leagues, in your tight end premium. You can probably even do better than Higby. Um, like, for example, Trey McBride, I, just based on the routes info, I would definitely take Trey McBride over Tyler Higby um just i think a lot more upside uh in that offense um just due to the routes so that's a good note um listening to stock chasing until the end yep that's that might have been the most actionable thing we've said all show oh that anywhere speaking of actionability i was just going to break down the giants um tight end situation lawrence cager actually came out of nowhere and led the giants in snaps um, for anybody desperate enough to start Tanner Hudson, um, we we may or may not have done that in our stat chasing team, which is extremely down bad. Um, Lawrence Cager just completely iced Tanner Hudson. Um, they both ran the same amount of routes, actually. They each just ran 8 of 23, but Cager had 45 snaps to Hudson's 11. So if you're going to – if uh, Bellinger is still out and you're extremely down bad um, – you probably got to start Cager over Tanner Hudson. Um, but this probably only applies to our stat chasing team, which is just the deadest of, of dead at this point. So um, hopefully hopefully you can do better than Lawrence Cager. Uh, let's see. I don't think I can force any other takes out um, on the backup tight ends unless you got something, Connor. Oh, let me let me get my list here of backup tight end takes. <laughs> Harrison Bryan, we have to talk about. Thank we're actually you. legally required to talk about Harrison Bryan on every show. So, um, what's going on? What's going on with Harrison Bryan? Um, he uh, he, he caught the touchdown, so uh, he scored some points. Um, but um, Njoku is coming back soon, right? And Joker should be back soon. Brian's role was better this week uh, in week 10 than week nine. He was at 32 of 42 routes. He only saw three targets, but that's a much stronger route rate than we saw the week before. I don't know if that was like a game plan specific thing or what, but if Njoku was out, I think you can fire up Bryant with like a little bit more confidence um, in desperation spots. But uh, yeah. right. If he misses the next game and, eh. He started with the uh, the Harrison Bryant stat chasing money back guarantee. Yeah. Oh yeah. Any any money you lose in Harrison Bryant, uh, you Venmo Pete. Just put Harrison Bryant in the <laughs> description. Uh, that's that's a that's a guarantee. 
All right. Uh, let's cut this off. Um, a couple couple sort of um, logistics things. We're hopefully going to be trying to continue to do playoff uh, best ball streams going forward. Those, I think, we'll, we'll mostly try to do Monday, but things will move around there a bit. Um, a bit TBD on that scheduling. But yeah, as we get close to the to the real NFL playoffs, I know that format gets really popular. So we're going to continue to do some content around that. And if you didn't get to see it yesterday, check out um, my stream with Pat, which is hopefully pretty evergreen for macro strategy on playoff best ball. Um, and we also put together a couple teams there live. So that's definitely worth a watch. Um yeah, Connor, any any last last notes or, or, or plugs before we head out here? Uh, no, uh, nothing really from me. Um, thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, really enjoying doing this every week. And uh, thanks thanks for uh, going on the journey with us. Yeah, thanks. Uh, appreciate everyone who joined live in the chat. That was a lot of fun. We will see you next week in week 12. Good luck in week 11, everybody.